Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Podcast, where today we're going to be conducting an Ashes post-mortem on the men's side of the game and looking forward to, after the first game, the women's Ashes, which we hope will be an altogether more competitive series. I am Jack Hope, and to go over this, I am joined by Max Rowe-Brown. Max, how are you doing? How is crack then? <laughs> Hi Jack. Uh yeah, the the crack den's fine. It's coming along, coming along nicely. We're we're working we're working downstairs at the moment, so it'll be a while before uh, I can have a, a background behind me that I'm proud of, but I refuse to blur it. Yeah. Um and and joining us from uh, from Adelaide, Australia is um Linda Farrell. How are you doing, um, Linda? Have you enjoyed your Friday? It's uh the time difference has been a real killer for Max and I getting up at seven in the morning for this. Well, especially if you're sleeping in a crack den, because I can't imagine that. <laughs> That's comfortable. <laughs> I'm not in a crack den. I'm in a I'm in a hotel room. So, uh, yeah, I'm still on the road. It's been a long time, but uh, yeah, thanks for getting up early for me, guys. I do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it, it it sets up the whole Friday. I mean, I've, I've watched the sun come up. Um, I, I've I've done all my chores. Um, it's it's nothing but uh, eight hours of work to, to look forward to. It. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Yeah, uh, Max. What what are the listeners for our messages before we get into 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 the cricket? Yes, uh, thank you for reminding me of that uh, slip of uh, slip of the tongue last time. Uh, listeners for the messages, um, please do follow and subscribe to the channel on YouTube and click the bell icon so that you can keep up to date with uh, everything we're doing. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Cricket Pod, and if you want to support us on Patreon, then go to patreon.com forward slash the Cricket Pod, where we've uh, revamped our offering for listeners so i think we'll be doing some sort of exclusive shows and maybe a bit of q a and and all that sort of thing so um uh yeah check check those out and um yeah exactly go. you can vote in our okay best. i will thank you yes yes well done max you've got, got another 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 customer uh, and you can vote in our, our best male cricketer of 2021 award um which is which is only you're only eligible to vote in if you're a patreon or a contributor oh. to this show so it's very exclusive, <laughs> very very exclusive. Um, let's talk about the Ashes. So we've we've done, and, and we said this off air. We, we've done about twenty shows, mainly on how bad England are at batting, uh, and so we don't want to tread that ground uh, too much here. What well, what we haven't necessarily talked about, because most of our guests, um, well, all of our guests actually have been, been been based in Europe. Although we've had some Australians on, we haven't had anyone actually in Australia. And what, what I'd like to ask, first of all, Melinda, is, is what's the, the sort of feeling in Australia? Um, here, people have been telling the story about how Test cricket is pointless and the whole thing needs to end. Um, but, but, but you know, did people in Australia enjoy whacking England? Um, did, did, did it go over well or were people bored of how bad we were? I, I don't think people were bored. I hate to say this because it's awful. I, I think people felt a bit sorry for England. It got to that point. <laughs> wow. I was even... Even I was talking to Glenn McGraw at the um, at the end of it, and he said, "Yeah, he said it's, it's just you know I do feel a bit sorry for them." And I was like, "Oh my god, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it was brutal." I mean, we've seen five nil before, but but this kind of felt worse um, in so many ways. And 
yes, I think a lot of Australians still enjoy winning, especially because, you know, last summer, Australia on the other end of it, they were beaten by India out here. So, um, it, it was a which is a great series as well, a really competitive series. And I think people really embraced India because they enjoyed that competition. Uh, but I think I do think that there is some sympathy here. And I don't know how great that is amongst the population in England, but the the stuff that's going on in Australia at the moment, just basket case stuff with border closures, um, restrictions, everything else. There's so so much still going on with 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 all of that now. Um, I think there there was a little bit of sympathy as well. I hope there was gratitude that England came. I mean, you know, when you talk about the end of Test cricket, I actually wrote a piece basically saying that. If this pandemic keeps going on, I, I don't think we can realistically expect five test series to go ahead. They've tried it three times. This is the first one that's actually gone to the fifth test, the only one. So the other two um, were sort of the last match was abandoned in each case between in, in India and England, although, you know, obviously one's been postponed. Um it's it's just been a really difficult tour. And, and you know, I was saying I went into quarantine on the 21st of uh, October, and I'm still on the road, but I've sort of just left the men's ashes and come to the women's ashes. And there's the underlying stress throughout all of it as COVID came in, Bris- you know, two weeks of quarantine to get into Brisbane. And then once you were there, that was sort of okay, but it just started to unravel a little bit in Adelaide, much more so in Melbourne. And it was starting to look really shaky. By the time I got to Sydney and the amount of testing that was being done, um, it it felt so fraught. And, you know, coaches had gone. There were members of the media were gone. We had that ridiculous situation where there's a stuff up, basically. And the net bowlers came in and then it turned out that two net bowlers had returned positive COVID tests. uh, as as part of their pre-entry clearance, but pre-entry and they got in and were bowling. So it was like, how's that pre-entry? It was a stuff up. Um, so when all of that was happening, honestly, I thought we're never getting to Hobart. We're just going to be so lucky to get this test out of the way. And then we did finally get to Hobart. Uh, but all of this stuff that was going on behind it, it, it was just this this anxiety. And I know I was explaining to, this to you before, but um. Few people might have read this, but it was at the point, um, certainly for England in Sydney, where they were, well, we, everyone was pretty much getting tested every day. Um, but because of the scarcity of tests and the, the amount of pressure that was on the system, there was such a delay in getting the results. So the, at one point, the players were getting a PCR test before they'd even got the results of the previous PCR test. And, and that what they were then being asked to do was so that the testing results could get quicker was to do a different type of test, which was nose and throat swab at once. So basically they would go up your nostril and down your throat as if you're being intubated. And I spoke to one of the players who said, you know, it didn't, it didn't hurt. It felt bloody horrible, as you can imagine. But the players were stressed because they wanted their family to do it as well. And they're going, no, no we can't put you know, kids through this mm. and, and family members. So that this was the kind of stuff that was just going on all the way through it. And I, I don't know if, it, if you guys have experienced, but I know I was and, and I know players were as well. When you get a test, that anxiety of waiting for the result um, as well, knowing that if you get a positive result, then you're done, you're stuck there. Um, and for players, that would possibly mean being stuck in a state um, missing the next test, you know, maybe if they'd got it in Hobart, missing the flight home, all, all of that sort of thing. So uh, that there was it, there was just so much about it that that had a peculiar type of anxiety that uh, I, was new to me, and and I think was really exacerbated for players, some of whom had been living in that kind of environment since early October. And while it might not mitigate some of the genuine problems that I'm sure you've been discussing about England's batting and everything else. Uh, I just don't see how athletes can perform at their best when so much crap like that and there's so much anxiety. Um, it, it just must take a, a bigger toll. And, and, and we might not fully understand that maybe uh, until a bit further down the track, but I, I genuinely think 
five test series jammed, jammed in like that. We know the preparation was a nightmare in the end. Um, test tours are hard enough as, as they are. Five test tours are hard enough as they are. There was no time in between for breaks, for a tour match, um, for a few days off that you would normally get in a five test series like Australia had um, in 2019 in England, even though that was quite a compact tour, they still had a couple of tour games. They still had some days off and they still had some freedom. Steve Smith was able to get over his concussion, like other players were able to refresh, all that sort of thing. Um, so so for me, everything about this series was just so hard to, to get it to limp over the line. Um, so I probably uh, maybe there's a, there's a bit more sympathy uh, certainly there is for me. I've got a lot of sympathy for the players. Maybe there is a little bit from the Australian public kind of because they, they could see that happening a bit as well. Um, and, and so maybe that was why there was a bit of maybe just feeling a bit, bit sorry for them um, and disappointed that it wasn't the competitive series that, that people obviously always hope an Ashes series is going to be. Well, that's a mistake, isn't it? Hoping that the Ashes are going to be competitive <laughs> in, in Australia. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, there's yeah, there's plenty of a, a, a large body of evidence to suggest that that's a, a foolish thing to do. But I mean, it, yeah, it, it sounds like what you've described is well, quite eye-opening from my point of view. It's like you know, we don't know what it's like on the inside, and um, it does give a frame of reference, doesn't it, for everything that's uh, going on. And then you consider just the sheer volume of cricket that these guys have been playing over the last two years. Like it's been pretty much non-stop since the West Indies came over and did us a favour, and Pakistan came over and did us a favour in those COVID tours in 2020. And you think oh, they've barely, barely had a break. Well, in Australia, you yeah, just look at Australia in comparison. I mean, they'd played, they'd played some white ball cricket, yes, but with with a lot of different players as well. They they'd played four tests last summer, and that was yeah. all they'd played in in two years. So um, half yeah, of them pulled out of the hundred in the IPL because for you know bubble fatigue reasons, and yeah, yeah. then you go win a World Cup, smash the Ashes. <laughs> it's, it's all right, isn't well, it? That's the yeah. that's the formula, isn't it? That's the formula. Well, seven. <laughs> Choice Australian players pulled out of the white ball tours in the winter here to um, the Caribbean and Bangladesh because, you know, there were players who had been to the IPL and so they pulled out of those tours as well. So um, even though, yes, they did go to the World Cup, some of them, but, yeah, they've not played anywhere near the volume of, of cricket and test, test cricket in particular, and they also haven't travelled. I mean, it still blows my mind. Mm that the last time they played an away series was the 2019 Ashes. And that's the only time they've played an away series since Sandpapergate. Is that partly because they just don't don't think they'll actually ever get back into Australia if they left throughout the the (laughs) pandemic? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. (laughs) Look, Australia's a terrible global citizen. Look, you know, at least least Inga can take some sort of moral victory, perhaps, over the fact that they've been... (laughs) That's what we exist for now, isn't it? Moral victories. Lording it over people. We just Um, just have parties instead. (laughs) The mother of parliaments, you know, all of that. (laughs) Um, It reminds me a little bit. There's a Kevin Peterson quote. I think it's in in that, that the the film The Edge. And you know, you don't want to listen to everything Kevin Peterson says. That's that's a mistake you can make in cricket. But there's <laughs> there was something that he said that was quite illuminating. It was, it was about the experience of being an England player and why he fell out with Andy Flower, basically. And it was it was that you get up 200 days a year, you put the tracksuit on, you go to nets or you go to the game, you play, you go home. And he said, you do that for a few years and you start thinking to yourself, when is this going to end? And and the experience that the England players have, have sort of gone through over the last 18 months or so, it's like that, but on crack. Uh, to, 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 you know, crack is obviously the theme of this show. Yep. Um, but it's, uh, but it, it must be, it must the crack be. crack podcast. <laughs> Very good. Um, it must be in, mentally and physically just exhausting to have to go through the same thing every day. And, and, and you know, like the everything you do comes with this low level of anxiety, whether that's having a test, waiting for a test, um, you know, not the cricket here, the, 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 the COVID test, playing the game, which we know is already like 
quite immensely taxing and sometimes damaging sport to to, to, to be involved in in the first place. And and then I think we were saying this off air as well. You don't get any of the perks or any of the the bits that relieve the stress along the way. The fact that you get to invite your friends and your family along to the test matches at home, and uh, you know you get to travel and see these amazing places and 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 explore hobbies and and and, and give yourself exposure to to cultures that you otherwise wouldn't. Um, you know interact with none of that happens you are literally waking up in a hotel putting your tracksuit on going to the ground coming home um for for, for at least a portion of this time as well they, they they weren't allowed to have dinner and breakfast at the same table they had to go downstairs i think probably think about the 2020 now they had to go downstairs and they all had individual tables so they didn't even get to interact over over meals the, the only time they had any social um or at any time to actually socialize physically with people was was i suppose at nets and, <laughs> and in the huddle um before the match <laughs> it's quite it, quite it's quite t- I mean, tiring it, it, even for for us and I'm, i don't compare like there's no comparison to the level but it, it was part, probably the least social tour that i've covered where the the times when you actually met up with other people were really few and far between because I was so worried because well because I was doing some work for BT and um and and you know we lost people we we had cam- we lost camera operators we had three different producers in in Sydney because they kept either being a close contact <laughs> or getting COVID we're we're going through and runners. It was unbelievable the the way that they kept that broadcast on air. And the tech manager came up to me in Sydney and just said, because we got lost Glenn McGrath for the the Sydney test as well. Ali Mitchell had to stay in Melbourne because she was doing uh, that. They decided to split their team um, channel seven because it, it was just too difficult having everyone together and they were trying to protect the broadcast. And when the tech manager came up to me and said, go lock yourself self in a cupboard at any at any time you're not here doing stuff because if you and David Gower go down we are expletive <laughs> you can say and it I, on here it's I, fine I, if I wasn't already on edge I can tell you I was then and I was I, was, I wouldn't even go in the press box until the match started I was basically going from the nets to my hotel room and and like an Uber, get Uber Eats whatever it was because I wouldn't go out and get any food and, and I was just doing, I was Nets, hotel room, Nets, hotel room. And then when I, you were in the press box, it was press box, hotel room, press box, hotel room. And that, that would, you normally, at the very least, you know, these are people, mates that I haven't seen for a long time. We're, there were a couple of times when we did get to socialise and it got, got a bit easier in Hobart, actually, because well, we, we had a couple of days off, essentially. Um, but um, You're welcome. there's not as much, yeah, not as much COVID, lot, lots more outside. So it felt a little bit more relaxed down there. But yeah, it was absolutely unlike any tour that, that I've done before. So maybe that's why just when you timed that by 100, it's why I can feel perhaps some empathy to, to what that must be like when you take out the fun elements of it and it should be fun uh, still. Um, yeah, it, it just, it must be, must be difficult. And then when you're getting battered and you're getting held responsible for all the ills of English <laughs> cricket, cricket. <laughs> everything from they're, they're using too many wangers to in the nets to, I don't know, you know, they're, the, the the county championship not being in August. Darren but all, all of it existing. is all false. Yeah, yeah, I want to get Darren exactly. Stevens on the show and ask him why he's killed English cricket, Max. Yeah. I was reading quite an interesting, um, I think it was Barney Rone in The Guardian. He actually, uh, he was writing about why we need to stop blaming Darren Stevens for the downfall of Red Bull cricket. Apparently at one point, uh, I think it was possibly around the third test, Darren Stevens actually had to put out something on Twitter to say, can you please stop bringing me into this? <laughs> <laughs> so many people had been talking about Darren Stevens on an April getting people out. But c- can we um can we move the conversation a little bit on a little bit to maybe what England can do? So I don't we didn't we, mainly we were reacting to 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 England being bad. Is there anything, Max? Do you think as the the county cricket aficionado of the <laughs> of the cricket, albeit you know the wrong type of county cricket, 
the stupid blast and not the four day stuff. Uh, I've but got as the, the full <laughs> membership this year. Oh, have Jack, you? Okay, you'll be pleased okay. to know. Yeah, so well, proper, okay, proper, right. Well, yeah. I, I um I look forward to being invited along in April to to watch the the season opener on the was yep. it the seventh. Keep your diary clear. Um, yeah. Um is to what extent do you think that the structural issues are 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 as severe as people say? Um and and you know the, the the flip side of that is is well no answer that question first let's let's mm. let's do one question at a time yeah well um i think what i would say is that i so i'm, I'm sort of have taken you know after a week or so of uh being constantly bludgeoned by england losing and somewhat meekly on occasion um i'm, I'm starting to wonder what it is that's made uh sort of this series in particular such a catalyst for like everything's gone wrong we need to rip everything up and start again because like i said earlier england losing 4-0 in australia is uh not an unknown uh you know event like it happened pretty quickly after england won the ashes uh at home and in australia i mean you know very quickly turned around and lost it all again uh it, it happens reasonably regularly so it's interesting you know what it is this time and especially when you talk about sort of the backdrop of of covid and how difficult everything's been as to why it suddenly england's performances here have been such a you know yeah such an eye-opener for everything needing to change and there are obvious issues and people will obviously use the hundred as a stick to beat everything with um and you know some of that rings true right like there's obvious focus on uh on white ball stuff owen morgan in terms of the white ball team, when it comes to England winning the World Cup, basically got everything he wanted, right? You know, uh, all the analysts, all the analyst works you couldn't dream of with uh, Nathan Lehman and all the, you know, all the focus of trying to work out how to play and, and that kind of thing. And it it bore fruit eventually, fair enough. Um, and I don't, I don't think the test team gets that kind of uh, input, does it? You sort of, you go back to blaming the county championship for everything, but ultimately... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe don't play some of it in April. Maybe try using a different ball. Those are things you can try, but I don't think ripping it up and starting again is necessarily the problem. Like we managed to get a decent test team out of it not that long ago with ostensibly the the same system, right? So I think some of it is going to be about the players. Some of it, and some of that probably goes back to what do you want to do when you go through? What are you focusing on? What's your skill set you're focusing on? Is it trying to be a test player or is it trying to be, uh, you know, number one, white ball player in the world and go and get loads of money in the IPL. That's probably something you think about. Like, you do get quite a lot of money for being an England test player. You do. Just but, be... you know, <laughs> do, do, are, are, is there as much of an opportunity to do that? I suppose is the question, because you've got how many central contracts to to bid for, to get for, and then how many T20 franchises mm. are there in the world that you might be able to get, you know, a, a reasonable amount of money from. So, you know, maybe there needs some sort of incentivization kind of, uh, thing but i mean really the the very basic things that england need to do are not have a selector who selects uh all of the teams and coaches the teams for all of the types of cricket that england play because that's obviously not sustainable we've talked about that before we know that doesn't that's not it just can't work can it even if you're if you're just selecting the test side and coaching the test side that's probably too much anyway let alone all the focus you've had on white ball cricket and selecting that side and all that kind of thing, you know, split them up, split up the red ball and the white ball, get a prop, like, dedicated red ball coach and get uh, get back to having different selectors so that if you are going to go down England's route of, okay, here's Zach Crawley, there's something about him, I think we should put him in the test side because, you know, he, he looks good. If you're going to not go with data because you don't think county championship averages mean anything, Okay, that's fine if that's the approach you want to take. But you can't do that and have a man who's the selector and the coach who's with the team the entire time because you can't go around the county championship looking for people who you think have something about them. So the the approach that England take is kind of, uh, well, logically opposed, really, I suppose, to what they're trying to achieve. So I think that would be a starting point. Like, let's not rip everything up at once. Try that for now. See if if we get anywhere with that and then... Maybe if we need to start thinking about you know, deeper change and ripping things up and having, you know, whatever Agus says about having a hundred for the te- for the county oh. championship or some strange uh, theory yeah. like that. Uh, you know, try that yeah. if nothing else works. But let's do it a step at a Don't time. Don't try so that, right? even if nothing else works. Just <laughs> pack it up before we start going down any any of those routes. Um well that so so a couple of couple of points about that, I think. 
so interesting is um, Australia have gone down that pathway before where, um, you know, where say, say, for example, where captain is a selector as well, because that's the other thing. So Australia, you know, they've flipped back and forth on this whole idea. Um, I think the, there's obviously that thing that, you know, that the captain, you know, should get the team that they want. And yes, that's in there. I don't know if the captain has to be an official selector to have his views really valued on what team he wants. Mm. But I do think it gives him a little layer of protection, um, perhaps making it easier with players, but also just a, a little bit of um, protection from from the scrutiny for decisions as well. And, and I, I actually don't mind that because I think that the captain has got enough pressure on all different things as well. Why, why give them the the pressure of the added pressure of the title of selector as well so I think they can still have their views obviously held I mean you know Pat Cummins is going to have his views held on who he thinks should be in the team I can certainly tell you Tim Payne did um but so so that that's one thing and 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 Australia but but they did a did a good job getting George Bailey in and he's come out of this series looking really well because every time, you know, they brought in a new like player. a genius. Yeah. We have people yeah. emailing us that nominating him it. as player of the series. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that a few times. Yeah. And, and it's not just you know, the picks, is it, as well? It's you brought in brought in like Joe Richardson, took a Pfeiffer, and then be like, oh, thank you very much. Stony job. Scott Boland, step yeah. up. But, but that's what was really good was that I think the communication and, and perhaps because – that's where a thing where um, because George is more recently retired has really good relationships with the players and understands where the, the players are coming from. There was a fair bit of like, even when Osman Khawaja was talking about, you know, being really philosophical about scoring twin hundreds at the SEG and then, you know, thought it, it could be quite likely that he would be, would not play in Hobart. And he was kind of okay with that because he's been dropped from the Australian side seven times in the past. And he knows what it's like going in and out of the side. So he had that empathy for, for where for where Harris was. So that all that communication with the selectors seems to be at the moment, particularly with George there, as in a pretty good spot. So so that's obviously something that that has worked quite well. And I think that helps with players coming in and going out. Because I, I the thing with players and selectors in selections, isn't it? Is it you, you want players to feel a certain amount of pressure so that there's not complacency that their spot's just there it's all the time. But you also don't want them going over into to the anxiety of, of, oh, my God, if I make one mistake here, I'm going to be dropped. So as, as sort of finding, I think, the balance between there and, and as someone who's played the game recently, I think probably George has been able to handle and manage all of that really quite well. But, but to, to your point about... Too, too, with with county cricket, you know, I've had some really interesting conversations during this series with with some former players, and and there are quite a few of them who think that England's issues with batting uh, will be seen in Australia in the not too distant future. That it it is basically a, a trend that's going. Australia is saved, unlike England, because of its really long summers. So and a lot of I do think a lot of England's um, issues with the game comes because there's, you know, so, so, so many, well, there's obviously so many teams. Now there's so many different formats and the summer is actually quite finite. It's, it's, mm. it's not a lot of really good weather. So in Australia, when they put the big bash in the middle and they split the Sheffield Shield and, and a load of people were saying it's going to ruin test cricket. You know, there's no cricket being played in the height of summer. Um, yeah, there's no uh, shield cricket being played when you want to be able to select players for test cricket. All of those, those sorts of things have been said here. But the difference is, although there's, there is some seasonal difference between, you know, playing at the Gabba in, um, in spring uh, as opposed to late autumn, it's not the same as the difference between playing at, at, at Headingley in, say, say April and August. Although sometimes I'm not sure that there's that much difference because I've been there I, both th times. That's yeah. definitely true. It's, it, <laughs> it, it, it can be. You can get on. I mean, you are more likely to have a better cricket surface in July and August, but sometimes they're bad. Just the Sometimes they are bad. But, yeah. but, the, but that's the thing about Australia. Because the length of the summer and everything else, 
I, I think that just you, you tend to have better conditions and more consistent seasons so that the splitting of the shield hasn't harmed things in the same way because, you know, you're not, you're able to sort of have almost two seasons, I guess. It's still not ideal. And there are a lot of people saying that they, these problems, the same things about, you know, prioritisation of white ball cricket, the, the big bashes, you know, it's got pretty fat now. It's bloated. Um, and that, that there's there's a lot Too of... Too much KFC. Oh, don't even start me on the bucket heads. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of the bucket heads. I've like been talking to people like, because you see, like they hand out thousands of the things. It's just the worst kind of waste. They don't even give you any sun protection. It's just a bucket on your head. It's like I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start a campaign. Yeah, so, so look, there, there's some things to mull over. But the other thing is that because England's the only one in the Northern Hemisphere, they end up touring and playing more overseas than anyone else. And I do think that they get they get knackered. There's just too much. There's just too much. Well, I don't know. I think we're, we're in danger. We're squeezing the golden goose so much. We're in danger of strangling it. Yeah. Uh, Max, what, what changes are we going to make? Everyone else has got a manifesto. I feel like we should have a manifesto. What would you change about county cricket? What's your three points? Um, kill Darren Stevens. Torture and kill Darren Stevens. Pick Darren Stevens for the England. Pick Darren Stevens. Well, well, we need a testimonial. Is, uh, you know, actually. We pick you, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to be contrarian, you could say that England are doing it wrong. Everyone else in the world is making Test cricket more like their domestic cricket. They're they're making it spin more in India and Sri yeah. Lanka. It's the the pitches are drier and worse in 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 West Indies. Well, I mean, that's maybe what, England just the, need to rub, make all that play all their test matches in April. What's the what's the stat? That would Darren be Stevens has got, I think it's two hundred and seventy three wickets, at an average of about eighteen. Yeah. I is, is definitely not the problem. He's that's he's mad. a good player. Yeah. He's, he's a good player. He's a good batter. He's a good bowler. Well, that was the other thing in that article there's a, I read. There's definitely nothing the detrimental got, uh, about having him in the WhatsApp group about how difficult it is to play <laughs> in England. Called Steve O's going to get you. Getcha. Yeah. 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 And uh, and he got Marlis Labuschagne out twice and. Uh, in the county championship this year. So, you know, England aren't the only people struggling with the, the Darren Stevens, Dibley Dobblers. Um, I mean, they, they do need to play more of it in the summer. I mean, that's 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 clear enough, isn't it? Because it isn't, you know, necessarily a great uh, experience playing county championship in April. You know, I mean, we spoke to spoke to Chris Nash on one of the after te- after one of the te- days of the test cricket. And yeah, it, it, one of the things he was saying was just like, it's, it's shit <laughs> playing, going up, going and playing a game of tactics. Ta- uh, county championship in April. It's not fun. You don't want to do it because, well, for obvious reasons, like it's so Rob, cold. Rob Keith made. Um, Rob Keith wrote uh, had a column that I thought was really interesting about the quality of pitches as well, um, and you know that a lot of that has changed with the the drainage that they have now, the super drainage. The, the pitches are softer, um, and uh, I found that I found his point really interesting as well. I mean. The whole thing, when 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 Australia lost to India last year, and bearing in mind that was two times in three summers that they'd lost a series to India, there there was a fair bit of doom and gloom here, and people saying, "Look, look is this field shield fit for purpose? The big bash is ruining it. Why can't we bring players in from the Sheffield Shield who can, you know, bat, bat against these essentially, you know?" India's B team that were, was brought in because of the, the the injuries that happened early in the series. So there there is something in you know losing a big series where it is all doom and gloom, and sometimes you might just have to just let the dust settle a little bit too, and just sort of see how much is how much of this is coming from the hurt where we just want to you know throw mm. arrows or fire arrows at everybody, um, and, and you know what's the what is the long-term solution? And, and there, there will be changes. I'm sure there will be, because this loss was so big um, that I'm sure it, it'll, you know, cause some ramifications in the short term and possibly the long yeah. term. And maybe it needed to be really bad. That was the other thing we said. Maybe in the end, yeah. maybe it had to be bad because if they'd ended up winning in Hobart, for example, then it would be, be really easy to go back and say, well, they did win one test and they came back and they showed some fight. Yeah, well, what was the, what was the stat, stat you said, Jack? If we'd won in Hobart, it would have been like England's best series down. It would have been the joint second years. best series in our lifetimes. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, maybe. And they maybe actually, I- they actually nearly got to the point where they were favourites. I think. I mean, the bookmakers were saying they were favourites on 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 um, the Sunday morning. Our time. Yeah, they obviously don't watch enough cricket. Oh, well, yeah, but, but really, they were seventy for no loss, and it was like, come on, there's day two hundred with ten wickets. This is all, all out fifty six runs later. It's, um... uh, it was unbelievable. I, it was unbelievable. But you know, Australia had a really awful loss there to um, South Africa. I think that was the last time a test mm. was played um, when Kyle Abbott ran through them and took yeah but I mean that was sort of who was playing there like Peter Neville and Adam Voges so yeah. very different Australia side to yeah but they, to. they there were there were a number of players like Nick Madison Callum Ferguson came in for one test then they were all dropped Australia dropped loads of players and it was like that was meant to be the nadir and the real bottom and mm. Uh, James Sutherland, the CEO, basically walked into the dressing room and and gave them all what for, and it was it was it was seen as like you know really bad time for Australian cricket. So it's funny that things can shift uh, around a bit, sometimes quite quickly. So hopefully it does for England. Yeah, I'd like them to. The only thing I'd like is them to try a different ball earlier in the season. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't. I don't like think the combination that. of difficult pitches and very very difficult ball help <laughs> in April, May, and September. So maybe just well, try that, a kookaburra for them. Yeah, well, well, Australia started doing those rounds in the Sheffield Shield mm. with the Duke Port. Really, really funny because because I remember doing the interview with them. Um, with Ricky Ponting. God, I sound like such a wanker name dropper, but but oh, I remember. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I. I remember yeah, really Rick, me and Ricky we were having a beer. Yeah. Um, so, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I was round his house did... actually with family barbecue. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> but we were doing a post-match piece at Trent Bridge, and after the disaster of Trent Bridge uh, for Australia, after the wonderful um, exploits of, of Stuart Broad, Ben Stokes at Al. Um, and he in, he went on this massive rant in this in this interview that we did this all this sort of post match analysis piece, and he went not, it was really strong about they've got this is embarrassing for Australia they've got to start playing with the Duke's ball um, in the Sheffield Shield they've got to start doing this sort of stuff and then they started to do like that 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 rant of his actually made it back. Uh, to a lot of places in Australia. And then I think they sort of started looking at doing some of that stuff, trying to get some more experience with different balls. Just, you know, so sometimes these rants that various ex-players who have influenced, they sometimes do actually uh, end up changing some things. So You've you got know. Ricky Ponting. We've got Rob Key. Um, it's, it's the, <laughs> the basic like problem. Everyone likes Rob Key. But they do, they yeah. do, but not for his intellect, is it? Right. Um. Should we? I want to revisit. He's a I want to. Well, no. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. That's that's probably come out the wrong way. I'm not saying he's not smart. I'm saying people Astro don't like Brown Rob Key because side. of his. People don't like Rob Key because you know for for the for the like the the genius quips and thing. They 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 uh they like him because he seems like a nice guy and is one of the one of the people. Chap. You know, we get you go down to the the T20 finals there. And Rob Key's coming along doing his bit for the for the for Sky and um. Goes and he got up when well, I was there. He went and got all the balls off the stewards that they'd confiscated that people had dropped on the pitch and just started lobbing them back into the crowd. That's why people oh. like Rob Key because he's the good yeah, guy. That's, that's he is a good, a good guy. guy. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining Ricky Bonting doing that. Yeah, maybe. Um, I want to revisit to, to wrap up the, the men's ashes, revisit some predictions. Um, Max, I can't remember what yours was. I remember mine was three nil or four nil, so I, I yeah. win. Um, <laughs> Melinda, you said two all. Um, yeah, <laughs> d- d- disappointed with with that. <laughs> no, no, because predictions of I I feel like they're always meaningless. I don't mm. think I have ever predicted anything correctly in my entire career. So you know, <laughs> I, I I like to think that basically I'm just keeping up to my own standards. Yeah, yeah. I get messages here to write about, about what happens, not to not to tell people yeah. what's going to happen. I, I get <laughs> angry messages about my predictions. When I said KL Rahul wouldn't hit another fifty last summer, um, that oh that that was a great shout, yeah, though, wasn't it? I was, it was it was it was it was but it made me oh. infamous in, in <laughs> certain circles of 
uh, a very specific part of cricket Twitter. Um, and the other thing I, I wanted to quickly get your thoughts on was player of the series, Max. If you were um, to pick one person. So oh, that, that's that's difficult because I think like because for so many uh... Scott Boland won the official one, didn't he? The, no, it was Travis Head. Oh, did he? What did yeah, Scott Travis, Boland do? Travis he Head won something. Won player of the series because okay. I mean, he he was the top run scorer runs, in yeah. the series, and I think I think Travis Head probably does take it for me just mm-hmm. but just because of uh especially from you know in comparison we'll remind everyone again what i said before that i didn't really expect him to do, do it yeah yeah you did, it's yeah. From, from where it came from and that you know forgettable he, cricketer travis head yeah you know, uh, him <laughs> him in the side it was a question between him and kawaja wasn't it like that was a, a selection <laughs> issue and he comes out and stamps authority with 100 in brisbane and um and then you know backed up with another one later on so i, th- I think i think travis head probably does um, does take it for for me, and those runs were important as well. They were, you know, they they took the game away from England. But I mean, so many Australia players did well in that series. I mean, the bowlers in particular. So it's uh, it's a tough one to, to choose. But yeah, Travis Head, I think probably for me. Uh, Melinda, would you would you go for someone different or? Yeah, it's hard. I know when you talk about the, the earlier centuries, I think we, the, the pitches were really were really bowler friendly in, in this series. Like uh, I, people who have played on them for many years told me that they've never seen pitches this bowler friendly as like a, a, a round Australia for, for fast bowlers. Um, they've not seen pitches that good like ever, certainly not for a long time. So, um, so that I think that puts also into context um, Travis Head's innings in Hobart. When you go back mm. and look at it, I think Hobart was actually really, really hard to bat on. I mean, that ball that from Scott Bowen that got Joe Root out. It, it, no, <laughs> no one in this. It's that was, summed that up. That should have been illegal. <laughs> yeah, it should. Like, you know, it, it's the sort of ball that would, would I don't know, kick kittens and, and curse rainbows. It was so mean. <laughs> um, but, and there was nothing, you know. But uh, so I think that puts perhaps Travis Head's performance into some real context there. It's, it's you know, as I say, it's about his game. I, I thought Mitchell Stark had a brilliant series. Um, and possibly, I, I want to say it's his best series. And maybe it was sort of helped to be having two pink ball games helped. But the fact that he played as much as he did mm. um, and, and the runs that he scored as well, they probably weren't as valuable as the runs that Travis Head scored in the context of the match. They were valuable, but they not quite as valuable. But Joe thought he had a really, really good series as well. And and the way he went in the end, like the other one who who was was one of the MVPs was Cameron Green. And it was a real coming of age, the old coming of age series. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but it really was for him. It was a series where, you know, we'd seen – his bowling do well. We'd seen his batting do well. We, we saw all of it come together in what I think is is almost a frightening package for the future. If he stays fit and keeps mm. getting better, then you know he's he's a really incredible he's a player. Yeah, he's a pretty tasty player. Yeah, I, I, I <clears throat> I'm going to say I'm going to say Scott Boland. I, I just you know he only played three of the tests, but. Uh, it's a good story, isn't it? Would you get 18 wickets at 10 or something like that? And it's yeah, a great average story on soccer. 9.8 yeah. in the end or something. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah. As Cameron, who comes on the podcast, would say, he was bowling against England's Make a Wish Foundation batting lineup. But um, it, what a wish if, if that was what he wished for. <laughs> you know, it, was, it, was, it was such good fun. Uh, and it was, it was sort of, at times, it was nice that, that, that it was happening. It was it was one of those occasions where you were like, oh, well, you know, if we are going to be lose ten wickets for fifty six, at least that guy got some of them. Um, so so there's that. Um, Max, the the only thing we haven't touched upon is Joe Root and um, the boys having a beer. Do you have anything to say on that? Uh, grow up, everyone. <laughs> grow up. <laughs> what a ridiculous, what a ridiculously blown out of proportion story that was. If, uh, even the ECB don't give a shit. That's like the only thing they care about is the fact that Graham Thorpe lit a cigar and then filmed it, and it was actually yeah. his fault in the end. Anyway, it wasn't even that always was complaint, was it? Dumb. It was because yeah. he smoked he smoked a cigar inside. So, um, 
yeah, I think like there's nothing wrong with the the guys enjoying a beer, and it was nice to see that you know the the camaraderie was there after the game. Even, you know, it went on for a while, but it was, there was a, a lot going on day night test video. anyway, wasn't it? And they had drinks in the changing rooms, and then moved back to the hotel. And I think after all we've heard about the fun of uh, uh, isolation and all the bubble stuff, uh, I think uh, yeah, five guys having a few beers at a table uh, in a hotel Why? is not a story. <laughs> Why were the Australian team still in whites? Travis Head was wearing his baggy green. This, there were a few things in this like, mm. that well, they, you know, they had, were uh, kind of they, incongruous. They have traditional after they have traditional drinks in the dressing rooms after the series. Um, so they would, this have, was, I assume, this was some of them would have just hours, straight onto those after the game in their whites. And then uh, I think that uh, sort of wound up at about half two. In yeah. the morning, and then they bust back to the hotel and, and carried on. So I, I guess mean, if, you, if you go Lyon... and have a shower at that point, it's end of the night, in it. You know that that's yeah. that's curtains. Yeah. So Nathan Lyon didn't really do anything in the entire test, so it no, wasn't like he didn't need a shower. Issue, so yeah, it was <laughs> right for him. Um, he was an England's batsman, yeah. so that's I, fine I did like Graham Thorpe um, taking the filming. I, I, I don't know what his for thought process was when he got it out. Yeah, for the lawyers, like he was some kind of cricketers for justice campaigner. He was, he was trying <laughs> to start a movement. Look at these police officers harassing the poor cricketers who were, who were just outside at six in the morning smoking cigars in, in the bar. You know, it was, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was, it was strange. But, yeah. uh, I mean, Graham I, I Thorpe might lose his job over it, but Graham Thorpe should probably lose his job over it he's, being England's batting coach. I think he's interviewing or very close to being appointed as the Middlesex yeah, he's, coach. Yeah, he's trying so to get out. Um, I, don't, I don't think, yeah, he's long for the world of international no. cricket. Uh, should we move on? Sorry, I was halfway through some water there. And then, um... right, Max. Um, close. Max, the, the women's ashes um, is underway. Um, do, you, do you have a summary for, for yesterday's match? We, we're sort of, we, we're kind of, we're recording this on Friday morning. I don't know whether we'll put it out today, tomorrow, Sunday or Monday. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't done the scheduling yet. Um, it is currently, I think, 2-0 to Australia. I can't remember. So there's the, like, let's, let's talk through this because we have to do this every time we go through a women's series. There are three T20s. There are three ODIs, all worth two points each. A test match worth four points, which I have to add this up. Two, four, six, 10, 16 points. Is, that, is my math right? There's 16 points on the line. Mm-hmm. It's 2-0 to Australia. Max, can you quickly summarise yesterday's game and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and, and, and what that means or how that sets the series up overall? Yeah, so, um, well, England, uh, yeah, first first game of the uh, the Ashes series being a, a T20 international in uh, Adelaide. And it all looked, to start with, like it was going quite well for England. Uh, Danny Wyatt, in particular, getting England up to a, a very uh, respectable total of 169 for four, which, given England's bowling, is probably their strong point in this side. They would have uh, f- fancied themselves to defend and sort of, Early into the uh, Australian innings, they would probably have been uh, been backing that point of view, even though only one wicket had fallen. Um, they were Australia still had a bit to do, and uh, Talia McGrath did a bit and a half, <laughs> having uh, taken two wickets in the space with uh, three balls. Was it in the first innings to remove some of uh, England's set batsmen? She then set about dismantling all of England's uh, bowlers and in a. Well, a pretty astounding uh, 91 off 49 balls to uh, see Australia romp home with three overs to spare. It was a pretty devastating performance. What you might describe as a day out. Uh, it was uh, quite a, quite an announcement. Yeah. Um, so the, the kind of backdrop or the build up to this series from an Australian point of view seems to be seems to have been that there's a little bit of worry around some of the senior players form. I think um, there's been a couple of injuries. Um Melinda Farrell, Tylee McGrath is obviously a force of nature. Is there somebody else that will stand up for for Australia here, or or is she carrying the weight of a nation on her shoulders? No, not at all. I think that's this that's the scary thing about this Australian side is that you know they they've been without some of their best players, and the reason that Meg Lanning was opening the batting with Elisa Healy was that Beth Mooney had fractured her jaw, um, getting throwdowns in the nets and. If you want to know how tough she is, she fractured her jaw on Tuesday. She had surgery on Wednesday. I was at training this morning on Friday and she was in the nets. Um, just getting, basically getting the confidence back. So getting sort of sort of soft throwdowns, um, gradually building up to, to just sort of getting to basically getting slightly shorter balls, but just all gentle kind of stuff. But she was in the freaking nets on Friday and she broke her jaw 
on Tuesday. That blows my mind. So, so you know, Australia lose their the player of the series from the T20 World Cup a couple of years ago and one of their most consistent players who had a brilliant uh, WBBL as well. Um, and then they, they Meg Lanning puts herself up to open. They lose Elisa Healy. Um, but then Talia McGrath, she's a heck of a cricketer. She really is. Um, she She's sort of been on the scene now for a little while and she had a really good series against India so about seven months ago, uh, six months ago. I lose track of time. But recently, and she she played really well in that series as well. Had a bit of an up and down um, WBBL, but there's been no doubt about her um, all-round capabilities. And it it was one of those nights. I don't think, actually, I asked her, has this ever clicked for you in a game like this where just everything, everything came together? And she, she said, no, it hadn't. Um, so she, and that was really, her bowling was so important because, because you're right, England had two set batters in, in that Siver and Danny Wyatt and they were batting beautifully. I mean, that was a, a record um, target set by, by England against Australia. Uh, and 17th over, you've got two set batters ready to take England home. And then all of a sudden she comes in and bowls two Yorkers, bang, bang. She, she set up, but she doesn't even bowl Yorkers really well. She tries to practice them, but she's always... It's so annoying, know. isn't it? You get someone like that just comes in and bowls two perfect Yorkers. I don't really yeah. bowl Yorkers very well. Yeah. Uh, one of them, you know, one of them has a bit of Like, come on, man. So, so that just changed things, uh, the complexity, I think, of that innings because with those two still at the crease, you, you know, England might have added another 20 runs. Mm. But, but yeah, her, her batting. There was we should have just meant that she'd have scored that. 100 instead of 91. Well, Meg yeah. Lanning, Meg, that's Meg Lanning's point. She, a fault. She she selfishly scored too many runs in the last yeah. couple of hundred. <laughs> denied a, a, a century. Yeah. But there was one like this flat batted pull shot she played. There was so many, you know, this timing, power. She's got the ability, uncanny to just split the field wherever she goes. There was one just flat and pull shot for six that was just brute force as well. So, But what she did helpfully at the end, um, she did helpfully give um, a, 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 some advice to England when we spoke to her after the match about how to get her out because she's not been out. That's a 13-20 yeah. national. She doesn't have an average. No. <laughs> she hasn't been out yet. So, so we we are sort of um, one hundred and seventy-seven for none. Yeah, amazing. We asked Tammy Beaumont about that. She's like, "Yeah, well, hopefully we'll give her an average in this uh, series. Well, be a pretty <laughs> high, high one." <laughs> and then, and then when we, and then um, so it was so when she was asked, you know, how um how would you get Talia McGrath out in the T Twenty National International? And she said. Oh, anything short, uh, anything wide and, and short, I'm rubbish at. Um, and full tosses, yeah, I'm rubbish at them. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> and she's just so, uh, she just sort of no, said she's, it. Like, she's, she knows that. what she's doing. She's playing, yeah. she's playing an absolute yeah. blinder there. Come yeah. on. Yeah, short and wide and full tosses. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> get yes, my please. eye in next time. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. No one's um, for that. Amazing. But you know, there was all before that. There was all the talk was of, of Elise Perry being left out, which has still seems probably inconceivable to a lot of people. But her her batting in T Twenties just hasn't probably been aggressive enough with a high enough strike rate for for a while now. Um, and there, Australia have got some other more aggressive options. Uh, to dinosaur. Go yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. She'll, she'll be back for the ODIs and the the tests, of course. I reckon. But um, yeah, we might be getting our first glimpse of a post Perry era. Um, Possibly. And- I mean, I, yeah. I was going to say. I think it's quite an interesting series from from both points of view because it it feels to me in the last say five ten years that Australia started to take women's cricket a lot more seriously than everyone else, professionalised it and got very good, started to beat England. Or I think England won the first two points-based series and then Australia have won or attained all of the, the series since. And I think we've seen something similar over the last two years, probably in England. It's got it's It's had a much higher profile. 
Um, obviously, the hundred helps yeah. massively um, on that front. Um, but I, I think there are well, um, there are basically a bigger pool of professional women's cricketers to pick from. And, and I think maybe, or, or from, from an England point of view, I was sort of hoping that that this might be where we start to see them be a little bit more competitive with the Australian side, who I think have, have dominated um, yeah. recently. But yeah, the 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 fact that Australia have are now in a situation where they're moving on from that first generation of of, of, of really professional. Uh, women's cricketers is is uh, another scary proposition. Do you, do you think, Melinda, that England have got much of a chance here, or do you think in the in the kind of arms race I'm describing that Australia is still a step ahead? Well, well probably by the time this podcast goes out, with the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess that the, the challenge for England after that is to pick them up, pick themselves up from knowing that they actually put a really like that. That's the best I've seen England at against Australia in. I don't know, a long time. Um, it was a, it was really good. And they, I mean, Danny Wyatt, when she, when Jess Jonathan came on to bowl and she just belted the first two balls straight over the longest boundary, um, it was like, hello. Uh, th- th- that, there was a lot to like about her and Tammy Beaumont's innings in particular. Um, but the, the, the scary thing for them will be, God, we, we really gave them a, great target and they got there with three overs to spare and only one wicket down so that's I think going to be the hardest thing for England to go right we can't get let ourselves get spooked by this because once you do then then it goes down I, I you know that there there will hopefully for England be times when they, they will find some you know weaknesses um in the in the Australian lineup they certainly seem found some weeks in the bowling and that's a good place to start so they were able to do that they're, they're just uh, got to find a way to get well Meg Lanning and Talia McGrath out um yeah. and they've got some really good bowlers you know I'm a massive fan of Sophie Eccleston um in particular and 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 others as well so look it's a long time they both had series against India last year that I thought were quite a similar level of competitiveness they both won England and Australia against India but but also there were times when India did really well against them. And I wondered if that might be a little bit of a gauge. Um, but, yeah, look, we'll see. Australia have just come off a big WBBL season that finished a couple of months ago So and a w, their one-day um, competition as well. So there, there's a fair bit of cricket that's sort of been played, so they should be in a good spot. Um, and they desperately want to win that World Cup because that is the one big piece of silverware missing. Um, can we ask for a prediction? Um, oh, God. <laughs> I hate you guys so much. Oh, my God. I hate you so much. Oh, God. Okay, what do we say? 16 points. All right, I'm going to say that Australia are going to win 10 6. There you go. Pull that out of the air. 10 6. Max, what do you think? Um, 12-4 to Australia. Let's be 12-4. slightly more pessimistic. Yeah. 12-4. Wow, yeah. you've been watching You've been watching too much men's cricket, Max. I have, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the 12-4 score, I've just got it up here, was the score in the last one. So it's not not inconceivable. I think England are... Uh, well, the test uh, is big, isn't it? That's the thing. So many points up with the test. So. I'm, I'm actually a little bit more optimistic. I, I think that, it's, you know, sometimes you set a good score in a, in a T20 on a flat deck and then it gets chased down really easily and it, and it feels like, or it looks like it's a complete disaster. But actually, as you said in the in the, in the the summary, Max Tarly McGrath had a great day, a career day maybe. And um, yeah. you you come into an unstoppable force in a short format match and you're, you're, you're cooked, aren't you? But I, I think true. England will come back. Uh, I, what do I reckon? I reckon they will win one T20, draw the test, and probably win one ODI. So that's six, isn't it? Ten six. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, so we're on the same page. Yeah, there we go. They might be t- that means you've got your prediction wrong because you've agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Cricket Podcast. Um, thank you for joining us, Melinda. Is there anything you want to plug or, um, you know, let people know where they can find you? Um, no, like, don't, don't people, don't, don't people know who I am? <laughs> no, I've been be writing a lot of stuff for Sporting News. Um, I've still got the YouTube channel. It's just a, basically I've just had too much on to be 
to have been doing as much as I've, I would like to have been doing on the YouTube channel, but we're still around. But um, yeah, definitely Sporting News will be writing a lot of stuff uh, for them and and hopefully getting to over to England very soon. Yeah, good. Mm. Um, yeah, it won't, won't, won't be long. Uh, things are all normal here. You know, the Prime Minister got yeah, a bit of trouble. No, just can, uh, it's over. COVID. Um, yeah, all you need is a prime ministerial scandal to end all yeah. restrictions. It's very easy. Um, no, don't worry. We we have our own here as well. No, I, I'm I'm hoping that I will be over there in um, in a few months' time. So, um, the, any beers that you owe me for doing this podcast is uh, oh, yeah. ready, ready. Cash them in. Receive. Yeah, no problem. We look, the, we look forward to it. In the crack. It might yeah. be less of a crack den by then. With anyone, <laughs> it's been a crack den for quite a long time, Max. Um, thank you very much for listening. We can be found at the Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, in the show notes, you can find a link to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Cricket Pod. Um, head over there, join our you know, merry bandwagon of people who donate money to us. Um, um, Max, I think that's everything. Do you want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 